Sorry, Goody? I follow along with this game. It's just wild. <laughs> it should well, be blowing and, out. Yep, and with that, good evening. And uh, thank you for those that are tuning in to this week's Talking Sports with Evan. And uh, as you can see, I'm joined by a guest here tonight, uh, Tristan. And we're both following along with the Bucks game and both getting a little irritated. It's a one-point game at the end of the first quarter, a game the Bucks should be dominating. And they're not so great for you to join me here tonight have a bunch of discuss uh been a while since we've uh chopped it up but it's great to have you back on yeah yeah it's great to be here always good to chop it up with you man you're, you're here you're, you're breathing you're, you're getting healthy you're getting stronger i'm yeah. happy about that working on it and then we're both uh bucked out today me and my buck <laughs> yes so, yeah it's just, it's, don't even know where to really start because you got the NFL playoffs going on right now with the yeah. NFC and AFC championship games coming up on Sunday. Um, Packers seem to be dominating the local sports talk here in Southeastern Wisconsin. And like you, uh, or like me, I'm probably sure you're a little fed up with that as well. Cause you got the bucks playing as we speak, but yeah, that team seems to be the main story nonstop national media, local media, you name it. Yeah. Um, you know, Marquette's playing great basketball. And with back to the Packers, the whole Aaron Rodgers saga once again. And I don't – and for the first time, I don't feel it's all him this time. I think it's more people making a bigger deal out of everything than it actually is. He's not, you know, saying one way or the other what he's going to do. He just says, hey, me and my time. I'll figure it out. I'll let you know when I know. And people, it just seems to not be good enough. But I think going to start with Milwaukee because both they're playing right now, and now we unfortunately once again don't have a fully healthy squad. Just got Giannis back, which I think Giannis was more rest, even though they named it knee soreness. But Middleton was out for a long time. Uh, uh, Ingles has been in out of the lineup due to his uh, amping up for missing quite a bit. And it's been pretty basically the Drew Holiday show for a while. We finally get everybody back, everybody healthy. And now all of a sudden you have Bobby with a sprained MCL. Um, we've seen a few guys with it recently, Kevin Durant being the most recent player. And Holiday, I mean, I'm sorry, Middleton had one of the playoffs last year. And Bucks just can't seem to catch a break health-wise, can they? Not at all. Not even in the championship year. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> were they were they fully healthy? People forget you lose DiVincenzo in the first round. You you lose Giannis for the remainder of the Eastern Conference Finals. Still make it to the finals, and he's essentially playing in the finals on one leg. They've just been. I think, and I mentioned this on Toss this week. This has been the most snake bitten a Mike Budenholzer team has been in his tenure with the Bucks. It's just wild that this team cannot get fully healthy. Yeah, and I it's I don't know like. How did else to even try to do it? And I think Budenholzer's pushing the right buttons with the the veterans' rest and everything. Yeah. But my concern is is they're going to get everybody back finally. And Drew Holiday's been playing a lot of minutes lately. Brooke Lopez has been playing a lot of minutes. So are they going to break down? And now you have to give them you know veterans' rest and uh, time with injuries. And uh, and uh, Holiday's one that's missed a lot of time with illness. So I don't know what was going around the. Milwaukee locker room, but apparently it left with Serge Ibaka leaving. I think that comic to the whole joke about his cooking and everything. Um, but they just got to get healthy. And I guess for me, 
biggest concern I have with the Bucks right now is they can't seem to handle the basketball really well. Turnovers mm-hmm. tend to be a problem. Is there a bigger concern than you uh, with you right now than the turnovers, or is um, I guess or is it health, turnovers, combination of both, something else? Turnovers are a big issue because when you get to the playoffs where everything is so amplified, you cannot afford to beat yourself. You cannot afford to give away possessions, especially with this team not as offensive laden because of all of the injuries. We're used to seeing the Bucks as a top 10 defensive team, which they still are, as well as a top 10 offensive team. They're not a top 10 offensive team this season. So you have to have every single possession you can get in order to win ball games and Boonholzer, to your point has been pressing all the right buttons. They're 30 and 17 currently They're in the Easter conference with all the injuries and everything else going on. I say that's a pretty good mark. So you can't afford to give those possessions away. You have to be able to get those possessions to be able to score because you know, you're not as potent offensively as you have been, but does that come with the team getting healthy with everybody being on the court at the same time? We don't know. They haven't been healthy. So for me, turnovers, turnovers, a big issue, but the health of the team is a bigger issue. Yeah, and my guess is with Bobby now hurt, uh, which sucks, and I know it's, he's not the same position, but my guess is Joe Ingles kind of becomes that Bobby Portis, that dynamic scorer off the bench, uh, probably the first man off the bench once Middleton's back into his starting rotation. My guess is a lot of that void is going to be filled by him, but either way, there's a lot of dirty work down in the – on the block that Bobby did that they're going to definitely be missing now. Yeah. yeah you're talking a walking double, double 14 and 10 yeah. with some three point shooting. I mean, that's going to be hard to truly replace Joe Ingles is a different type of player, but he can still hit that outside shot for you. More of a facilitator um, can get to the cup for as slow as he is, but he can still get to the cup and finish. You know, I don't feel that there will be a dip in production, but let's not mistake this. This is a big loss for the bucks 14 and 10, with three-point shooting out of Bobby, intensity from Bobby, it's 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 going to be a lot to try to replace. But I think they, you know, like you said, slide in Ingles right there. He'll give you defense. He'll give you three-point shooting. He'll give you facilitation. I think they'll be able to fill the role. Yeah, then for another big off the bench, because you had Giannis, Lopez, and Bobby pretty much your three main big guys. Does Sandro now take over that – um, another extra big guy off the bench because I hear Bucks should sign this guy. They should sign that guy. They don't have room on the roster to sign anybody. Their roster's full. There's, it's really no, there's nobody to cut. You're working on if you if you end up trading Serge Ibaka for draft picks. Now you have an opening, but they don't have any openings on their roster to bring anybody in. So is Sandro um, Mamu going to be probably that guy they're going to ask to step up that game a little bit. Man, you, you certainly hope so. I mean, watching them here in Oshkosh with the herd, I mean, you know that the, the kid's got game. I mean, yeah. the, the guy can, can score and score at will. He can rebound very, very well. Big guy, very skilled. You just hope he gets that opportunity. But with Mike Boonholzer, and, and again, this is something I mentioned on this week's episode, the toss, he, he does not like to play the young guys. He does not like to develop guys. He named one person that he's truly, really developed in his time with the Bucks. We really can't, which makes me worry for Marjan. And I really like his game, the way he's coming along. So you would think, logically, he would slide in there. But seeing what Boonholzer has done in his time with Milwaukee, I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, I guess fortunately for the Bucks, uh, 
Budenholzer's not likely going to have a choice because you can't play Brook and uh, Giannis all those minutes at the four and the five at this point of the season. It's January 25th. We have a long stretch left of this regular season. You want to make sure you know you're limiting minutes now, so guys are ready to go in the playoffs. So he may not have a choice but to give Mamu those minutes, and not. I don't think he's going to be down with the herd as much as we've seen uh, recently. He may not have a choice, and with uh, Marjan too, he's healthy. Hopefully, the knee soreness he has today is anything serious. And if he took a shot every time he heard somebody else with the Bucks with knee soreness, he'd be alcohol poisoning fairly quickly <laughs> to be the big uh, injury. But do you think part of Giannis is so he had his big stretch when you had holiday dealing with the onus middle to now where he's 40, 40, 50. And then he kind of falls off the face of the earth production wise. Do you think part of that was just playing so much basketball over the summer in Greece and not really resting his body. And they just felt like they wanted to, give him a chance to rest that body a little bit? You know, I don't know if it's so much what he did in Greece as it is the fact that he is seeing the most usage he's had under Mike Budenholzer, and he's not used to it. Now, if you remember in Detroit just this past Monday, 29 and 12 in 26 minutes, that's kind of sort of the range that we're used to seeing Giannis in and the domination he brings in that short amount of time under Mike Budenholzer. But with Milton out, and as you mentioned, with Drew being out with illness and, and multiple guys being out and in and out in the lineup, you've had to use him a lot more than he's been accustomed to. So with historic usage, usage comes inefficiency. It comes a, a breakdown of the body a little bit, a little bit of fatigue. And I think that's why he set those five straight games with knee soreness. I think it was the veterans rest, your midseason, get him some rest let them come back with guys that are getting healthy and see what this team really is. Yeah, because you know he's not going to get that rest in a couple, a few weeks when we have the All-Star break because he's going to be one of the captains. So he's going to be playing. And I, I heard this brought up the year they won the – I think, it was, yeah, the year they won the championship when the Bucks were playing the Nets. And I heard this brought up, and it kind of makes a lot of sense, is a guy like Kevin Durant can play pretty much all – 48 minutes in a game and be fine with it because he knows when to pick his spots where Giannis is still learning when and how to pick those spots. And I don't know if he's ever fully going to understand to it's okay to go stand in the corner for a couple possessions and let your other guys do the work. Durant, you'll notice he'll stand in the corner, kind of, you know, not be too involved from time to time during the game. Giannis hasn't figured out how to do that yet. Yeah, you know, he, he knows one speed. You know, it's, yeah. it's straightforward. 110 miles per hour. <laughs> 110 miles per hour at all times. That's just that's just Giannis. But you're you're right. I think he is in that in that space where he's kind of beginning to figure it out. Uh, you know, still very much in his prime, still trying to figure things out, even as a a, a megastar. You can't even call him a superstar. The guy's a, a worldwide ticket. So, you know, it, that 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 comes with experience you know that comes with someone being in your ear a veteran presence like learning like okay hey it's okay to not go 110 miles per hour for a couple possessions and pick your spots and i think we saw a little bit of him picking his spots a little bit better last year but this year i don't think he's really been able to have that he's that really been able to uh been afforded that because of all the injuries and the guys in and out of the lineup so he'll figure it out he'll be much better for it and like i say, you just hope this team just gets healthy and stays healthy uh, especially at the right point of the season. 
and we're getting close to that trade deadline. Heard Grayson Allen's name thrown out as possible trade. Everybody yeah. wants to trade George Hill. Heard Ibaka <laughs> is available on the trade market. Um, everyone wants to trade Jordan Wara. Uh, <laughs> for the Bucks, and they, I don't think they necessarily absolutely need an extra piece, but I think it wouldn't hurt to come. Uh, like kind of like the PJ Tucker, and I, you mentioned this numerous times when I've had you on when they first got Tucker, and then after the they won the championship, Tucker was brought in for one reason and one reason only. That was the playoffs. I don't know if Jake uh, uh, Crowder's that guy, uh, but his name's thrown around a lot. Where do you think the Bucks need to improve themselves, and do you think they're are going to be able to before the trade deadline? Man, that's that that's honestly hard. You typically at this point in the season I would have an answer for that. And I just I just don't know. Would a Jay Crowder help? Sure, but what are you gonna give up for him? You know, that that's that's the big question. You know, it, I know everybody wants war gone <laughs> and and then people are bringing up Grayson Allen's name, you know, because he's been inconsistent. He's been really good, but then really inconsistent. It, it's it's really tough to tell because of the help of this team. And you just you really can't tell where they truly need the help because where they're lacking, it's because guys are injured, yeah. you know, or they're out of the lineup. They're sick. So it's, it's really difficult to tell. You have the splash names out there, you know, that Cam Reddish's names being brought up and this, that, and the third. And, but it's just really hard to tell because we haven't seen this team fully healthy and where they would actually need the help. Yeah. It would be nice to finally get that. And I know it was Detroit, but with them fully healthy from the majority of that game, we kind of saw just how much of a buzzsaw they can be. Absolutely. And the NBA as a whole this season, to me, is just kind of weird. If you look at the Western Conference, the third seed right now in the Western Conference is the Sacramento Kings. Who would have saw that coming? That is just, like, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured there'd be a fringe playoff team with Mike Davis as their coach, and they got some nice pieces, but not third in the conference good. But, of course, Golden State's had their injury issues with Steph Curry again, which seems to always be the thing. And the Suns have had a bunch of injuries, so they've kind of taken advantage of that. But all of a sudden, boom, Kings are in the third seed. In the East, Boston cannot beat Orlando. For some reason, Orlando just has their number. It happens, but still, Durant's hurt again with the knee slowly coming back in the basketball thing. To me, so one of my friends, basically, you know, one of his points is that Boston, the 76ers, the Nets are just night and day better than Milwaukee. I don't feel that way. I kind of want to get your thought on that. I think the gap is much closer than he's trying to say it is. And I think the fact that the Celtics can't beat Orlando is kind of proof of that. Which is like you said, it's it, NBA is weird <laughs> because who would who would see that, right? It, your friend is wrong, um, you know. Sorry, but he's wrong. It, it's not night and day better, you know. It, everybody's discussing really three teams to really fight for the Eastern Crown, which would be Boston, Milwaukee, um, and and uh, and and Philadelphia. Now the Nets are mentioned in that, but. They had their struggles after Kevin Durant went down. I know Kyrie's been playing out of his mind. I feel they're much better equipped dealing, having dealt with that last season. Now that Kyrie's in the lineup more consistently, they've been able to kind of tread water. 
um, but they still had their struggles. I don't think it's a night and day difference. I mean, like you said, a fully healthy Buck squad is an absolute buzzsaw. We saw that on Monday night. Yes, it was Detroit. But to hang 150 on another professional team, I don't care who it is. That is impressive. And when you have a full squad like that, as they did for most of the game, it just goes to show you how dangerous Milwaukee can actually be. So do I believe it's night and day difference? No, those teams are all jumbled. They can switch up at any point. If anything, you might say Boston may be a tick above those guys just because, you know, like, but like you said, they can't beat Orlando. So they're all interchangeable, honestly, to me. It's not a night and day difference between any of them. It's going to be really intriguing come playoff time. Yeah, definitely very intriguing. And then you're going to have with Boston, the uh, they have a new coach now. I know last year their coach was a new uh, first-year coach, um, but he definitely was a legit NBA coach. Unfortunately, he's not in the uh, – he's not – seems to be a little questionable character in the, the office area. But as, on the basketball court, there's not a basketball coach, in my opinion, much better than him. Well, now they got another coach. Come playoff time, is he going to know and when to and what buttons to push in the playoffs to keep Boston playing at that high of a level? Because outside of Tatum and uh, – why am I drawing a blank? Brown, sorry. Draw a blank on Brown's name for a minute. Outside of those two, do they really have anybody in a seven-game series that you think you have to really be worried about? You have guys you know who can have a big game here and there. But outside of those two, is there really anyone you have to really truly be on the lookout for? Yeah. And, you know, you, I mean, you have to be on the lookout for Marcus Smart because yeah. the guy is as dirty as they come. Um, yeah. I mean, let's be let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. He's as dirty as they come. Uh, and, I mean, and, and they're dealing with, with their injury issues as well. So it's it, you, very, very good point. You know, it will Joe Mozula be able to press those buttons that Emi Udoka was able to press last season in the playoffs. That It's a very, very interesting question that you pose because he's he's going to find out. I have faith they're going to qualify for the playoffs, and he's going to find out, and he's got to learn real quick. Yeah, I think the playoffs are pretty much a done deal for Boston at this point. <laughs> I think same with 76ers and the Bucks and and the Nets and the Cavaliers, I think outside of and the Heat, I think outside of that, is anyone's ball game between the Knicks, the Hawks, the Pacers, uh, the Bulls? I think outside. I, I think those groups of teams. I think it's anyone's guess on who gets in. The Bulls are possibly getting to the play-in game, but fringe. Yeah, fringe. Pacers, fringe. Hawks. They've been not had much luck with uh, with health this year, and looks like they might have a new coach pretty soon. <laughs> But uh, once you get past the Heat, there's really not much, you know, Eastern Conference is not, it's, that's where you're going to have the question mark on who gets in out of those, I think, four teams I mentioned. Yeah, four teams I mentioned. So, Wizards are hanging tough at 21 and 26. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And you look at it, it's like, man, those guys realistically aren't out of it. Like, they, yeah. they legitimately still have a shot. And you look down at Orlando, it's like, you know, if they can string together a few wins, <laughs> they might have a shot at the 10 seed. But it's like, uh, you know, do you really believe it? Uh, who knows? I mean, if they keep beating the bosses of the world, they're, I mean, they could sneak their way into that play in. But it, yeah, I think top four at least are a lock. Yeah. <laughs> Eastern Conference for sure. 
And I think Cleveland, I think, is up there. Yeah, too. Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. They're definitely. They, they'll they'll get hot at some point. And, you know, with Donovan Mitchell being a little bit more healthy from that groin injury, um, putting up 71 points, I mean, geez. Uh, I, I think they'll be a lock as well. Yeah. And right now, you know, playoffs started today. The Bucks for the third year in a row be sitting at that third seed. They won the title out of the third seed. They lost to Boston in the second round of the third seed. Right now, there'd be – Interesting series if the Miami Heat right now, if the playoffs were to start today out of that third seed. Do we really want to see Miami in the first round again like we did two years ago? <laughs> Man, it, it makes you nervous, but it's, yeah. I think a fully healthy Bucks team could get past the Heat. Yeah, and I, I believe so too, but it's just like Toronto, Miami, so yeah. tired of those two teams. <laughs> right, right. Like, can y'all just like not be in the playoffs or something, or like go get the one seed so you don't have to deal with them? Yeah, especially Nick Nurse, and that kind of th- pushed me back to uh, the game where they almost ended up losing it. They ended up going to overtime. He's just the coach that he doesn't care what the deficit is. He's going to keep those starters in there, and he's going to do what he can to try to come back. And they can be thirty down, and he's going to be playing like it's a two point game. I don't mind it, but sometimes you got to call the dog off a little bit. It's a long eighty-two game season. It, Nick Nurse is, is just like Giannis. He only knows one speed. That's full yeah. speed ahead. So he's like you said, he's going to lead those starters in there. He's going to fight until the bitter end, and 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 that's why they almost came back and, and won that ball game. Boonholzer called off the dogs, and then he had to bring him right back in. Yeah, because apparently uh, Thanasis thought he was Steph Curry for a minute there and jacking <laughs> up the pointers thinking they're going to fall. Um, I know MVP, I'm not anticipating the Giannis is going to win, unfortunately. He got his two in a row. Now they, mo- they moved on to Jokic. Do they now move on to the next guy on the list, either Luka or Embiid? Or do you think Jokic gets that MVP for the third year in a row, something that we haven't seen in a very long time? It seems like they never want to give somebody three in a row. Or does Giannis somehow get back in that conversation and kind of steal it? I think Giannis is playing at MVP level, and he should get MVP. I just don't think the voters are going to just because he got us to. Oh, let's move on to the next guy. And it seems like they always pick whose turn it is, and this year it might be Luka. It's it's wild because I, I remember watching the studio show for ESPN. Um, I don't know, it, maybe it was a few weeks ago, and, and Richard Jefferson and, and Chine Ogumike and and uh, and, and Brooklyn, really by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, they were going at it, and and those two were against RJ because they were trying to make uh, they RJ's argument was basically. You cannot penalize Giannis for the same argument that you awarded Jokic last season with the MVP for. Oh, he's he's by himself. He doesn't have teammates. He doesn't have the health. He's playing at an MVP level. He should be there. That was RJ's argument. And those who were like, oh, well, Jokic is the number one seed, and you know, and, and, and he's got his teammates back, and he's playing at a high level. It's like, well, now you're switching it up. Like, like so you're right. I don't anticipate Giannis even though he is playing at the MVP level, win his third MVP. I would not be surprised if they narrate Jokic into the MVP for a third straight year. And don't get me wrong. I love Jokic. He's phenomenal. He's having a phenomenal season. But don't forget about Jason Tatum. 
Uh, Embiid was very close last season. He's going to be in that discussion. Luca's definitely in that discussion. Um, I, but I think it really comes down to Jokic and Tatum being the two really viable candidates if you're going according to narrative. If you're going to play on the court, Giannis would be definitely in that conversation. Yeah, and I, I wish it would just stick to basketball, but we both are smart enough to know it doesn't work that way. You know, LeBron was trying to um, lobby to be MVP the bubble year, and he wanted to, his big argument was we should, you know, focus on the basketball court and what we do on the court. Well, most of the people saying how why he should have been MVP, and no disrespect to LeBron, he's one of the top players in NBA history. But the two biggest reasons people were saying LeBron should have been MVP, I think that was Giannis, yeah, Giannis' first one, was he's old and Kobe died. Those are the two reasons yeah. why they're trying to say LeBron should have been MVP that year. Then LeBron's talking about it shouldn't be about the narrative. But Giannis got that one, and then the following year, and to me, he should have, he should be top two or three every year, if not number one. And maybe I'm a little biased there, but just everything that he does, the Bucks would be probably a lottery team, fringe lottery team, fringe playoff team. I'm just saying that because if you throw a Holiday in Middleton, I think you could have enough to compete for a seven or eight seed or a play-in game. But that's a difference between a one or two seed and a fringe playoff team is Giannis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the one generational talent is definitely tips the scales in your favor. And it, Giannis is at a rarefied air where he should be mentioned in the MVP discussion every single year. And he has been, uh, but like you said, the narrative, you know, yeah. the, the, the narrative that, that the media who do have votes uh, put out there and, to, to bend and, and shape and craft to their will, you know, really, uh, really creates the the stage for who gets MVP. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit maddening at times, but Giannis is after rings, could care less about individual awards and yeah. I would much rather hoist another O'Brien trophy than worry about him hoisting the yeah. Michael Jordan MVP trophy. Yeah, and I agree. It's just, it'd be fun to have a, third-time MVP in Milwaukee as well. You know, it would be nice to have that too, but why not have a two-time finals MVP? You know, if that, we can't have that, two-time finals MVP. So a couple of weeks, a few weeks to the All-Star break, we had to pick two teams out of the West, two teams out of the East right now who you think had the best shot at playing for an NBA Finals. Who are those teams? Oof, man. I know it's a different year. It's a difficult year this year. <laughs> yeah, it, it, because, I mean, you're talking about parody. Yeah, it's it's pretty much all over. Like you mentioned, the Kings? What? Like, I'm like, wow, okay. Um, man, out of the East, I mean, you, you, you got to give Boston their respect. They're the defending Eastern Conference champions. They've come back probably a tick better than where they were uh, last season, at least in the regular season. You know, we'll see where it goes in the playoffs. So you definitely have to put them up there. I, I would love to say the Bucks. But we just don't know how healthy they're going to be, you know. And, and it's, that's just been the narrative with them all season. But I'll, I'll put them, I'll put them in that matchup. You know, I, I think they'll get through the 76ers. I think they can get through the Nets as well. Um, yeah, I just think their supporting cast is better than what the Nets bring to the table, and you know, I think they're a little bit in the Sixers' heads. Um, out of the West, this one's tough because you got Golden State way down there, and you know when they're healthy. And I've said this. I've said this long time and time again, even on this very program. A healthy Golden State squad is a championship squad. What did they go and do last year? They won another ring because they were healthy. 
So <laughs> it's hard for me to count out the champs, but they're down there. So if I had to look at the landscape, you definitely have to put Denver out there. Denver, number one seed. They've been playing phenomenal. <clears throat> uh, this is so hard out of the West. Put put Memphis up there. Put Memphis up there. I, I think they're going to get humbled at some point. I think they're getting a little bit too big for the riches. <laughs> they're a good team. <laughs> I, I get it. But I think they're, they're, they're going to get knocked down at some point and humbled a little bit. But they've been playing really good basketball, top two teams in the West. It's so hard, though. It's like I said, it, the, the NBA is weird this season. Yeah, I think for me, for the West, I, there's two teams that if they can get hot, and this, the one of them has won their last four in a row, I think if they can get hot, one of them you said, and maybe they do after the All-Star break, I think they would be very tough out in the playoffs, and that's Golden State and then the team Milwaukee beat to get to win the finals in Phoenix. Ooh, They've had some injury with Booker uh, in and out to line up with injuries, but I did, they're, they're playoff tested. Nuggets, not re- you know, I know they've been in the playoffs, but they're not really, you know, playoff tested to me. You know, Grizzlies are still young. The Kings are the Kings. Pelicans aren't really playoff tested. I just think you get the, the Suns or the Warriors on a, a hot streak, they're going to be a tough out. I'm not saying either one of those are going to make the finals. Those are just two teams that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't give up on quite yet. Um, I think the Grizzlies, if they stay healthy, you know, the key phrase there, if they can stay healthy, I like them better than the Nuggets, mainly because John Morant is just that incredible at the basketball. Uh, I think, the, you know, it'll be the Grizzlies then if it can't be the, the Suns or Golden State in the East. Are we really going to trust the 76ers and Doc Rivers? <laughs> no. Embiid and James Harden. Are we, we really, are we really ready to trust those guys yet? And are we really ready to trust the circus of Kyrie, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant? Are we really ready to trust that, that circus, which Steve Nash should have never got the job to begin with? Nope. I don't know why they gave it to him. But they did. It didn't work out. He got circles ran around him against Bootenhoser. And I know people don't think Bootenhoser is a great in-game coach, but Nash got coached, circles coached around him uh, against the Bucks a couple years back. They lost uh, pretty easily in the playoffs last year. I don't trust either of those two teams. I would say Bucks and Boston are probably the two, to me, the two most likely teams to represent the East. And uh, you can never really count out a Spolstra-led team either. I would take a Spolstra-led team over Doc Rivers or is it Vaughn who's coaching the Nets now? Yeah, Jacques Vaughn out of Kansas. And I would trust uh, Spolstra over the Celtics too at this point because Spolstra, to me, is probably one of the better coaches in the NBA. Yeah, I, I love you some Eric Spolstra, man. It's um, <laughs> For me, it's just it's a, it's a roster thing. You know, in, in the way that they're they're playing, and it's just Boston has just been on a on a different level this season. You know, it, you knew they were building to something, and if they could get those two young guys and then Brown and Tatum, who, it, remember last season when they were like, well, one of them's got to go because they can't play together, and I was like, that's that's just absolutely yeah. dumb. Like, why would you like what? Like, what are you talking about? And they make the finals run. If those guys get hot. You know, they they can they can go places. I mean, they went all the way to the NBA Finals last season. 
I, I wouldn't put it past them to, to really have a really good shot at doing it again. They're, they've been playing at a very high level from the word go. Yeah, they have been, and I give them credit. I thought they would take a step back a little bit this year with the turmoil in the, in the uh, front office and the coaching room. And with that going on, I thought there might be a little bit of some turmoil there. And, uh, you know, maybe the, you know, the, I think he's team president now, Stevens. Maybe he has to come out yeah. the, uh, the general manager or president's chair and have to do the coaching too. Cause I, I didn't know a lot about the coach now for Boston when they hired him and gave the job to him and they're, they've been impressive. They've definitely not taken a step back. Like I thought, but we'll see what the second half of the season brings for Boston. And that's why for me, Milwaukee and Boston are probably the two top teams in the East. Cause if Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt against Chicago last year in the playoffs, I think Milwaukee can, could beat Boston and, you know, that best of seven series. And then they beat Miami and, then it's a epic NBA Finals with Golden State in Milwaukee. Fortunately, Middleton gets hurt, and we, you know, as as they say, the rest is history. And Grayson Allen gets forced to play a role that he definitely was not ready for or able to do. But maybe with the healthy Joe Ingles, maybe it's a different story this time. And I think that's why they had kind of had the foresight to to kind of go out there and make a move to get an Ingles. You know, like that, a guy who can facilitate, a guy who can hit that three, uh, a guy who is a physical presence on defense. So you kind of have that foresight. Uh, They changed their defensive philosophy to give up a few less threes, especially after Grant Williams is close out on you (laughs) last year, (laughs) hitting all those threes from the same spot. So, you know, Horford and uh, was that game six or game five where Horford went off from three? Oh, when does Horford not go off against the Bucks? I mean, it's like he can't hit a shot against anybody else, but he sees the Bucks. Oh, he's turned into a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. I think the year the Bucks uh, beat them in five, I think it's the one year Horford didn't do anything. That's <laughs> when the Bucks lost to Toronto, unfortunately, in the conference finals. So outside of that, he tends to turn it on against Milwaukee. So. Bucks killer. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I mean to cut you off. You're making a good point with Williams. And then I was like, uh, oh, no, no, they had the foresight to kind of change things and tinker things. I think they learned some things from that series, but it's hard to really display what you've learned when you don't have all the components that you need uh, on the court healthy all at the same time. Yeah. And the big thing with the Bucks, you know, in the last year, their philosophy was, we're not going to allow a, let's say, Tatum or Brown go or Smart go off from three. But if Grant Williams or Horford or Hauser, I'm just you know throwing names out there, if they want to shoot all the threes they want, so be it. But then they get hot, and then they don't adjust. And they're like, I don't know if it was a, eh, they can't stay that, that hot for long approach. Yeah. Or what, I don't know. I, I got that feeling like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> They gotta come. I said it. I was like, they gotta come come down to earth at some point. Like they can't be this hot from three, you know, the the entire way. And for the most part in that series, they were. It did not stop. But the Bucks still had opportunities to win that series. You know, they coughed up a game, which they could have closed it out at home. So, you know, you go on the road, game seven. You don't want that. Anything could happen. Uh, and they got absolutely trounced. But I think they learned from it. But we have to see everybody on the court to see exactly what they've learned. Yeah, and I'd probably be after the All-Star break that we finally see it with Bobby out minimal two weeks and then get reevaluated. 
hopefully it's the two weeks and not longer like it was with hopefully it's more Giannis MCL sprain than it is Middleton MCL sprain. So Giannis yeah. is a freak athlete anyway. So. Right. <laughs> I was about to say, there's a reason why they call him the Greek freak, man. Yeah. He's, he's freakish in, in many different ways. Yeah. With switching gears, NFL season still going on. Packers, unfortunately, don't make the playoffs. And now it's what happens with Rodgers. Does he stay? Does he go? And I kind of hinted at my thought process earlier, but I'm hearing a lot of here we go again. Uh, you know, this is Favre all over again. Like, is he going to retire or not? Uh, you know, is he, you know, two years ago all over again? I don't think it's that at all. I think Rodgers is just to the point that he's going to say what he's going to do when he's ready. And I don't think it's going to be a Favre moment. I think when Rodgers is ready to make that public that he wants to either stay in Green Bay for another year or wants to retire or wants to be traded – I think once Rodgers gets to that point, it's going to stay that way. Rodgers doesn't strike me as the one that is going to have the crying press conference that he's done and then come June, eh, I want my job back. I I just don't envision Rodgers doing that. I think once he makes that decision, whatever it is, I think it's annoying, but I think that's going to be it. I think the biggest thing that makes it more annoying is all the speculation and, you know, uh, speculating on what he said, what he means, what he doesn't say, what he doesn't mean. That's to me when it, I'm not annoyed with Rogers. I'm annoyed with everybody else talking about him. I guess if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it does make sense. And, and I agree with you. I don't think he's going to do the waffling that, that Brett Favre uh, did. Um, I, I did say last week on toss uh, during the Packers season wrap uh, that we have reached Brett Farvian levels of division within the Packers fan base. I say fan base because there's a lot of people out there who really aren't fans of the Packers and yeah. fans of a certain player, much the same way that people were fans of Brett Favre and cheered him on whatever team he was on and said, forget the Packers. So I think we reached those levels of division as far as uh, it being Farvian level. But yeah, you're right. Rodgers is a guy who, okay, I'm going to go through my thought process. You know, maybe I'll go and do some hallucinogens again and, and see some visions and all that and figure things out. And I, I firmly believe that whatever decision he makes, he's going to stick with. He strikes me that type of guy. I'm just tired of hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> like at some point, you, you just got to let it breathe. And when there's something to talk about, then there's something to talk about. Yeah. Don't try to generate it. Don't try to create it. Let the man go through his process. Let him make his decision when he's ready to tell it. Then we could talk about it. But until then, you got Championship Sunday. The Bucks are third in the Eastern Conference. The World Baseball Classic is coming up. The Brewers are going to be in training camp soon. I mean, there's so many other things that you could talk. Marquette is playing fantastic basketball. We don't know if the Badgers are going to even make the tournament with the way they've been playing. So there's so many other things that we could talk about other than just this. So, I, yeah, I kind of tune it out until I hear that he's made a decision and he's going to tell everybody. But, man, it's it's just it's nauseating. Yeah. It is, and, and I'm fine either way. If the decision is, let's trade him, let's let him retire, so be it. If he wants to come and play quarterback for the Packers again in 2023, 
I'm fine with that too. And I, the re, one of the biggest reasons I'm kind of torn, and it's conversation um, that I've had with some you know friends of mine, and one of my friends brought this up that he watched the com- the conference semifinals game, and there's a lot of creativity ish on offense, a lot of you know creativity in the play calling and the play design and the you know pre snap stuff like that, which is yeah. But the, th- the issue is there's one big difference between the teams that played last weekend and the teams that played, I mean, and, and the Packers. There's big difference in quarterbacks, and it's Rodgers. Rodgers has said this. I think LaFleur has made light of this. There's two different playbooks at hand in Green Bay. There's the yeah. Matt LaFleur, what he wants to do, and then the version that Aaron Rodgers runs. And... We see Aaron Rodgers' version of the Packers' offense, and Rodgers has been on record numerous times saying that he doesn't like pre-snap motion. He likes guys set so he can get a good look at the defense and get an idea where they're coming from. And so we don't see any of the the jet sweeps as much as we could or the motion or moving guys around. We don't see that because Rodgers doesn't like it. And I think Rodgers gets too much say in the play design and the plays that are called. So we don't truly see the Matt LaFleur playbook. And I don't think we're going to see Matt LaFleur's version of this offense until either Jordan Love or some other quarterback is running it. The reason why Shanahan's offense is run the way it is, well, because they have a rookie seventh round pick quarterback and things are going to be centered around his strengths and Rogers is Rogers. And the biggest issue I have with Rodgers is the fact that why don't you throw it between the numbers? Throw it across the middle. Throw it between the numbers. You don't have to go for home runs every time. You can do crossing patterns. You can do slants. You can hand the ball off on RPOs. You don't have to throw it all the time. That's my biggest issue with him. I want him to, for one season, for 2023, completely buy in to the philosophy of the offense and let's see what happens. That's what I want. But I don't think we're going to see what type of coach LaFleur is truly until Rodgers isn't there. But yet I still want, I like, I still want Rod. So like I said, I'm fine either way. I guess I'm kind of talking up both sides of my mouth here. <laughs> no, you spitting, man. You spitting number facts. Cause I've been saying the same thing. You know, what tree before it comes from it comes from that Shanahan tree where they have a lot of pre-snap motion where they run the football where they have a tough defense that is what Matt LaFleur wants and it's really the perfect kind of football to play in Green Bay but when you have the final boss in Aaron Rodgers at the line switching every play canning this play canning that play constantly looking for the deep ball still as if he's still in Mike McCarthy's offense which even when Mike McCarthy first came in he was a slant master. He constantly was going quick hitters, slants, all that, matriculating up the field very, very quickly. When you have Rodgers as the final boss, the final say at the line of scrimmage, constantly changing plays, you're not going to see what LaFleur truly wants to run. So, yeah, he's a big reason why the offense struggles. I don't think it's because of lack of skill and skill positions because you have two dynamic running backs you have a very good offensive line. You have a speedy rookie wide receiver in Watson who can do the jet sweeps and, and all that. 
and you can go up the field and you can put some points up on the board if you truly bought in. So I agree with you 100%. If he truly buys in in 2023, it could be a very exciting time if he decides to play. But at this point, as, as much as I love him as a player, as much as I love what he's done on the field, I am okay if he walks away. I am okay if the Packers decide to trade him for good value. I am okay if he returns and wants to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers so long as he truly buys in because I feel that this offense could truly be dynamic running it the way it's supposed to be ran he could have another MVP season if he runs the offense the way Matt LaFleur wants to and I just don't think we'll see that so I'm in 100% agreement with you careful for bringing up MVP season you're going to get hit a sore spot with a lot of people here you know Gronk don't don't get at me don't be <laughs> DMing me man I don't need yeah. to hear it <laughs> it's one of these comments that if you if you act, if you listen to the full interview with McAfee last last week Tuesday, it makes a lot of sense on what he's saying and why and how. Yeah. But when you take that little sound bit of "I think I can still play," I think uh, MVP level. It. He also said, "What's the point if you're not going to win at all? You know, if he's not devoted right. to winning at all, what's the point in buying buying in again?" But. You know, people want to interpret things how they want to. And uh, before I mention my next Packer comment towards you, uh, Lamont, he uh, comments on the show. I don't know if you can see it on your end, but two of my favorite sports guy, talk guys, uh, good evening, fellas. So thank you, Lamont, for uh, commenting. So appreciate it. Proud of you, my man. Vote so. Lamont. <laughs> um, I mentioned one issue I tend to have with Rodgers. One issue I tend to have with LaFleur, he's too loyal to a fault. Mm. And I don't think the I don't think the in-season move or not was him. I think that more has to do with um Murphy, to be perfectly honest, because I he I don't think he wants to let coaches go in season because now you still gotta pay him. Um yeah. if you let him go after contracts run out, like in Mike Penton's case, the contract ran out. Um you don't have to pay him now. I think that's kind of how he, I think Murphy's a big issue in regards to, you know, if in season or not. But we pretty much until I think sometime in February, the report back, and we still have Joe Barry, defensive coordinator. And <laughs> Joe Barry seems like an outstanding person. Was, has been a very good linebacking coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But coordinator, he seems to be too overwhelmed. He doesn't seem to get the most out of the talent that he has, which the Packers have a ton of talent on defense at every level. They could be better, but they have talent at every level on defense. But it's like he doesn't play to the strength. You look at the defense they played against Minnesota. Every player on the field was bought in on what they are going to do. And Jefferson – and I had Mike Wall a couple of weeks ago talk to him, and he brought this up too, is the one catch Jefferson had is when the safety didn't do the right thing. Like, yeah, Alexander had safety help every time, and Alexander did a great job on him overall, but the one time the safety didn't do his job, that's the one catch Jefferson had. But that's a game that everybody bought into what they were trying to do but then we see Detroit, and yes, I know they only scored, what, 19 points? Uh, Detroit did. But you had the same issues. Guys playing 10 yards off on third and short. It, it's like Joe Barry, is, like I said, it's, he's too overmatched. And you have 
a lot of really good defensive coaches available right now who you could bring in as a coordinator. Vic Fangio, uh, the guy that who was the coordinator in Denver who lost out to Barry. But to me, like I said, he's too loyal. And this is a perfect time to say, hey, Joe, thanks for what you've done, but we need to move in a different direction. They brought Barry in because they wanted, they wanted the Fangio defense. Now Fangio's available, but yet you won't bring him in. <laughs> Which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and, and, and people forget that Fangio is a disciple of Dom Capers. Yeah. So it's like you're 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 pretty much retreading the same kind of thought processes uh, that that Capers did that worked well in his first few years. But I mean, we all know how long in the tooth that became. Yeah, I don't think that was all Capers though, personally. Either. No, he got stuck having to put uh, round square pegs and round holes quite often. Nick exactly. Perry, example of that. Exactly. You know, that that the, the way they drafted, they were not drafting for the defense. They were just, you know, that's where getting the best value or the best player available kind of hurts you because you, you need to get, you need to get players that can run that defense and, 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 and you could do your job in it and become dynamic. So it's, look, I, I have my beef with Joe Barry. I still have my beef with Joe Barry. I have my beef with Matt LaFleur because at one point in time, he, he was on the record saying he's tired of being passive. He wants to be fast. He wants to be aggressive. And what did Joe Barry say? Uh, in one of his first press conferences in Green Bay as a D.C. I want to be fast. I want to be aggressive. Well, you did that for maybe a season, and then you fell off. Now, to your point, you're absolutely right. Most of the players on the Packers took a step back performance-wise. Like the entire team, not just the defense, not just the offense, everybody. So you had that to deal with. But when you put players out of position, when you don't, play to the strengths of the players we all know what Jair is he's a bump and run guy he's a press cover type of person so is Rasul Douglas so when you let those guys get down to the line of scrimmage put hands on a receiver you're going to get the absolute best out of them you're going to make this defense much better but when you got third and five and you're putting guys eight to ten yards back and you're surprised when they pick up the first and the drive continues and your defense is gassed that's malpractice, and you should not – I don't advocate for people losing their job, but when you're not very good at your job and you're not doing the job and being productive, you got to go. And, and at this point, I think everybody's tired of Joe Barry. I, I think Matt LaFleur needs to be held accountable for this as well because you, you, you've gotten on him a couple of times this season. That's been documented, and yet you still want to keep him on your staff. I don't know if this is a last-ditch effort. You got one more season to turn it around. I don't know what it is. But I have a feeling, and a very bad feeling, it's going to be detrimental for the entire team. Yeah, and a couple of things I want to comment there. First, you know, there's one Nick, one thing Joe Barry is well known for, 0-16. He was the <laughs> defensive coordinator on a team that went 0-16. And the other thing he's known for, and I might get the number wrong, but was it 343 or 336, whatever amount of yards the Eagles ran against the Packers for? Those are his two biggest accomplishments as a defensive coordinator. Gave up one of the single seat game rushing best record rushing games we've seen in probably the last twenty years against the Eagles, and he won zero and sixteen as a defensive coordinator. Again, he's a really good linebacker coach, and he's shown to be a really good linebackers coach. And he got a lot out of the linebacking core in the Rams. He got a lot out of the linebacking core in Tampa Bay. 
but he just is not a play caller and he shouldn't have that position. And unfortunately we're looking like we're stuck with him for another year. And I think the biggest reason, and this is what's going to end up costing Matt LaFleur's job is he's too loyal to a fault. Hence why he waits so long to, to not have um, Amari Rogers return punts anymore. He's too loyal to a fault. He waits too long to try to fix problems. And I don't think he wants to be known as the coach that fires coordinators because his first special teams coach he had to fire. His second special teams coach he had to fire. His uh, He never got to hire his first defensive coordinator because he inherited Mike Pettin. And I think he could have probably made a bigger um, stick about that if he wanted to when he took the job. But he was told that, hey, you can have the job, but you have to keep him. I don't think he wants to be the guy that ruffles feathers and fire be is known for firing his assistants. He's a um, everything's my fault kind of guy. He doesn't like kind of passing that blame and pointing the finger and letting Joe Barry go or letting uh, Drayton go last year is kind of saying, hey, it's that person's fault. But it's okay to shake things up every now and then. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think you can bring back you can bring in a not that I want Nathaniel Hackett back, but you can bring in a Nathaniel Hackett. You can bring in a, you know, his brother. You can bring in another offensive guy, the guy that just got let go in Baltimore. You can bring those guys in and still keep Stenovich as your offensive coordinator. There's other titles you can give them, associate head coach. Um, Roman can be the assistant tight ends coach, but have a big play in the offensive game plan and the hack it associate head coach with help with the game plan. You can keep Stenovich where he's at and still give him some help. That's kind of my, my biggest gripe with him. Like don't be afraid to shake things up every now and then on your staff. And as a head coach, I mean, it is your right. And it's honestly, it's your duty to do so. Because yeah. when something's not working, it is your duty to fix it. You're supposed to have your finger on the pulse of the entire team. So if, if something's not working, I, I don't care what type of reputation I get. I was like, okay, if you look at me as a guy who fires his assistants, look at what those guys did. Look at the job those guys did. It was not good enough for what we're trying to do. So you're right, 100%. He wastes too long to fix problems. It's, it's great coach speak to put it on yourself. Well, this is on me. We got to be better and this, that, and the third. But there's only so many times you can hear that and nothing change. Yeah. You know, so, it, you know, he's, he's going to loil himself out of a job if this continues. Now, do I think his seat is hot this this season? I don't believe so. Um, I think it's it, warmer. It, it will get warm if they have another season like this where they just look absolutely lifeless, listless, and like they don't give a damn. So if, if that happens again, you know, you, you, the seat's got to get warm. You, somebody's got to go and get the lighter fluid and, and stand next to it with the lighter because it, you, you just cannot have another seat like especially if Aaron Rodgers comes back. If he decides to play for the Packers, Packers decide to retain him, and you have another season like that, yeah, it's going to get warm. It'll probably get blazing hot by the time game 15, 16, 17 comes around. Um, but I, I hope he's making the right decision. I hope something within Joe Barry clicks. He finally decides to put those guys in the right position. LaFleur doesn't wait so long to, to fix issues and, and not be so scared to, to make mandates on, on what he wants. You are the head coach. It is your duty to do so. So do so. Yeah. And I wish Murphy would uh, stay out a little bit too. And I think that for me, that was a big 
problem when he decided that everybody reports to him. The GM reports to me. The head coach reports to me. The money guy, you know, reports to me and Russ Ball. Things ran in Green Bay perfectly fine with Bob Harlan sticking to the business side of things and Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson for a minute uh, doing his thing and McCarthy and Holmgren and Sherman doing their thing until Sherman got the GM job, but that's a whole other story. Um, Thompson should have probably been relieved of duties well before he finally was. And I think Murphy overcorrected because he was so involved on the business side of things like the sledding hill and Titletown district that he didn't realize that Thompson was not able to do the job anymore until it was way too noticeable. And then he overcorrected. And now we have the setup that we have now. He didn't let the floor hire the special teams coordinator. He wanted to, when he first got the job, which I guess in hindsight, Maybe it's for the better because then he would have been driving through a Wendy's drive through naked as a Packers special teams coach instead of a Detroit special teams coach. And, I, I, and it would have been a Culver's instead, you know. Being a- <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but he just needs to get out of the, you know, get his hands out of the personnel and the coaching side and let, let, let Goot do his job. I think that's the biggest reason why we got the whole situation with Rodgers right now. I think it's because – Murphy is there's more of a Murphy thing. Goot drafted Jordan Love for a reason. He had a plan in place. And I think Murphy's the reason why that plan has been thrown out the window at this point. Because Murphy is so worried about, you know, ruffling too many feathers. And I think we just have to go back to how things were with or without Goot as a GM. But I think he's had a couple pretty strong drafts more than not, other than the third round, but Mm. Yeah, I think Murphy is one of the big issues right now in, in Green Bay. Yeah, it's um, he he needed just to stay on the business side. He was doing very well on the business side with the expansions and everything else he had going on. He's making the Packers money hand over fist, even though they try to tell you that they're not making money, but the books say otherwise. Yeah. Making hundreds of millions of dollars. They were so hurt during COVID, but you know, every, yeah. you know, I them more than others. But with that aside, they're making money. They're making money. They're they're definitely not hurting for sure, but it, that that's where he needed to stay. And you're right, he overcorrected. And I know it, there was the, the stories about there being communication issues and, and non communication, and we need more communication. Okay, I get that, but put things in place where there are more communications without having to stick yourself within to that particular side of the football operations. You're not the football guy. Yes, you made. Yes, you played in the league. I get it, but you're the business guy. You know, like you stay on the business side. This is the football side. If there's a situation that gets too big and you feel like you need to step in as as the CEO, then you step in. Otherwise, don't overcorrect. You, you're putting your hands in stuff that you have no business putting your hands in. Let the football guys do the football things. You do the business thing. And let's, just, let's let this thing run smoothly. Yeah, don't need to put your hands in cookie jars that you don't need to put your hands into. And that's what, you know, Murphy's kind of did. I used that analogy earlier today, and I liked it, so I wanted to find a way to use it again. Don't need nice. to put your hand in cookie jars that you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to find a way to use it. So appreciate you, you know, coming on and, you know, talking some sports here. It's been way too long. Uh, I think yes. end of buck season last year is the last time we talked, which 
again, it's been way too long. Well, I mean, in this format, you know, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have championship weekend, the NFC championship game. You have the 49ers and the Eagles, a battle. You have the Eagles with one of the top offensive lines in the entire NFL. The 49ers, one of the top defensive lines in the entire NFL, as well as a coach that seems to be a magician, except when he's up 28 to 3. Um, and then the NFC AFC championship game, you got the Bengals and the Chiefs, two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And I like Joe Burrow. Like he has this he has this arrogant he has this arrogant personality, but he doesn't come across as arrogant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he just is very like Hey, my championship window is going to be open as long as I'm here. You know, like he, there's just something about him that I like. And then you got, so you know, Jamal, you know, uh, uh, Chase as well at wide receiver. I think both are really good matchups for the Chiefs. It's a rematch from last year. And you have a hobbled Mahomes. That's the one thing that's not going to be great. We'll see how he handles uh, playing in a game with a high ankle sprain, being kind of stuck in that pocket. And then with Jalen Hurts, we don't know how – healthy that shoulder is going against a defense that loves to play physical football. Before I give my predictions, which I've had one prediction wrong so far in the playoffs, and that's because Dak Prescott decided to Dak Prescott. Um, <laughs> what are your, your thoughts and predictions for the conference championship weekend? Oh, man, uh, you know, you got, as far as the AFC goes, you got the defending champion, uh, AFC champion, uh, you know, Bengals back at it again where a lot of people didn't believe they could get there again but you know they, they're a really good football team well constructed run games kind of struggled you're not really accustomed to seeing that from the Bengals you know the, the, I mean mixing usually is chewing up yards uh, but they struggled in that area a little bit and now with Mahomes being a little bit hobbled and it was a tough matchup last season you know um, Bengals had to come back and win that one Man, that that's that's a tough one, but can they go into Arrowhead and do it again? I don't know, but Mahomes is hobbled. I'll go Bengals, but it's going to be close. It's going to be very, very close, and it really depends on how much pressure are they going to be able to get on Mahomes. Are they going? Is Andy Reid going to run the football? Are they going to be a little bit more clock controlled as we've seen them become? Uh, they're going to have to be even more so to try to protect Mahomes. So Pacheco is going to get a heavy uh, a load. I mean, it's, they're going to have to run the football, but I think the big plays will be there for the Bengals. Like you said, Jamar Chase down the field from Joe Burrow. I think they win that ball game. And over on the NFC, Jalen Hurts is hurt, <laughs> so he's dealing with that shoulder. He's not 100%, but you know they love to run the football, but you know the Niners, number one defense in the league, they can stop that run <sighs> with a physical front, and they can run the ball themselves. And you got Brock Purdy is the moment too big for him. Mr. Irrelevant becoming Mr. Relevant. That one's a tough one, too. I think I'll go Philly. I think they squeak this one out. But I just I'm unsure of my picks. I'll tell you 100 percent. I do not know. (laughs) I am so unsure about it. These are games that you can flip a coin and they can go either way. Yeah. And for the AFC. I, I'm going to go for the Bengals for the fact that they seem to have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. And there was tragic what happened in Buffalo. Thankfully, uh, Hamlin is making the recovery. Unless Absolutely. you're a conspiracy theorist, he's making the recovery. Um, 
but they felt slighted and offended when you know they have to go to Buffalo to play in the in the divisional round, and all we're hearing. And which, and as a business side, I get it. You have to start selling tickets. You can't wait till the week of the event to sell these tickets. So they had to start selling tickets for the game in Atlanta. But they felt slighted. Like you're you're already selling these neutral site tickets for the championship game, so you're not even giving us a chance. They and now with the Chiefs, they beat the Chiefs earlier this year. If they finish that game against Buffalo, which I understand they didn't, and I support that they didn't, but that's a whole other conversation. They beat Kansas City earlier this season. Burroughs won in Arrowhead twice. This is his third time going into Arrowhead. He's 2-0. and They probably feel that this game should could have been in Cincinnati if they're able to finish that game. Yeah. And Cincinnati had that chip on their shoulder. They, they were hungry. And with Mahomes hobbled, I think Cincinnati finds a way to win that game. And Nixon had a pretty good game against Buffalo. I know he's been up and down running the game, but I wasn't expecting them to go out and just dominate Buffalo. I, I said they would beat Buffalo, but I wasn't expecting just the total domination that we saw. Yeah. That was surprising. So I think Cincinnati wins that game. And then – I brought up the offensive line in Philly and the defensive line in San Francisco, but guess what? San Francisco has a really good offensive line as well, and mm-hmm. Philly has a pretty stout defensive line too, especially when it comes to the pass rush. I'm torn on this. I'm leading Philadelphia right now. That could change by Sunday, but I'm leading <laughs> Philadelphia right now. I just think they have the better talent. They're better at the quarterback position. Uh, I think they're better at the wide receiver position as a whole. Um, and when Lane Johnson plays, they're much better. And I think Philly's going to just wear out that front of San Francisco. And Purdy might be running for his life against the Philadelphia front. <laughs> they got the really good pass rush. Yeah. I know an easy way to slow down the pass rush is your screen game and run the ball, which Shanahan likes to do. But I just think Philadelphia is the better team. They have the better secondary um, between the two teams. I just think Philadelphia gets the win, and we're going to see Philly and Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. That, that's what I think we're going to see. Could I be wrong? Sure. But that's that NFC game is very tough, though. Very. That line, both teams' line play are their strengths. that typically go with the team that has the better line play. Well, both lines are really good. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? Like both of these games are games you can flip a coin on. It just, yeah. like I said, it could change by my picks could change tomorrow. I mean, it, they could change five minutes after this. I mean, it's like you locked him in. I'm going to cut that audio now and put it out there. And no matter what he says, this is what he said. I'm stuck. I'm stuck with it. So I guess I'm gonna ride with it. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I wasn't, you know, expecting to talk for this long, but I did definitely enjoy it. Uh, and. You're always welcome to come on and chat it up anytime you want. The offer is always there. So do appreciate you coming on. And if you want to let my viewers and listeners know, podcasts for this show will be posted probably early tomorrow morning, probably around 8-ish um, when I get into work, uh, put it up um, anywhere podcasts are found then. Uh, but where can people find your stuff? Hey, at Toss Nation Media, you see it scrolling right down there. You, uh, get the finger going, yeah, right down there, tossnationmedia.com. And of course, Twitter, 
at the two zero double get at me there but man always great to chop it up with you like i said i'm so glad you are still here with us man uh getting stronger getting the opportunity to get stronger each and every single day you love to see it man so i'm just i'm glad always great to chop it up with you i'm here anytime you need me yeah thank you i appreciate that and i'm uh very glad i'm here too as uh you know for those that i mentioned a couple times uh back when i started my show again but if you don't follow my twitter or facebook which you should at Evan with Sports, um, Evan uh, talking sports with Evan, or just Evan with Allison. Keep up to date what's going on. Had a what they call a saddle pulmonary embolism, which is very rare and uh, can be quite deadly. And somehow I'm still here kicking. So somebody was definitely watching out for me uh, the day I decided to drive myself to the hospital. So if anything's feeling strange or out of the ordinary health wise. It's better to get checked out and be told it's nothing than to say it's probably nothing and get proven otherwise. So yes. I was probably close to if I would have waited another day or two, there wouldn't be a talking sports with Evan anymore. So don't mean to be dramatic, but that's how close I was. So do appreciate that. But with that said, thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening and hope you all have a great weekend. And I will be with you next week talking uh recapping conference championship games and uh giving a bucks update which they're currently up 79 70 it looks like going into the fourth quarter with that said have a great rest of your evening